All right, church. Ooh, that was a short break today, wasn't it? I think we've been used to like, you know, the eight to ten minute break, but we're trying to shorten it up a little bit today. One good thing is if you didn't finish the conversation that you're having with somebody after church, we do have coffee out in the lobby and some treats and snacks. Uh, we'll give the kids the sugar after the service. Uh, and then good luck. You guys can deal with that afterwards. But we will have some time uh, of fellowship afterwards. And again, like I said, there's an offering bucket in the back. Uh, I'm just going to pray real quickly, uh, and then we will have an offering bucket up front here after service. Uh, we normally do that during the break. Uh, then if you are a first-time guest here, I don't know if we said this or not, but there's connection cards uh, in your seat pockets right in front of you. We just ask that you fill out that connection card, uh, if you're willing to. Uh, First-time guest, write down your email address, and we like to just send out a welcome email to you, uh, letting you know or that we're happy that you were here. And we'll give you some information and get it into your hands about our church. And, of course, you can ask us any questions uh, that you might have from there, okay? All right. We good? Kid Corner's all good back there? Ready to go? Okay. Guys, I want to just give one quick testimony, and then we're going to pray and get started on the, the message this morning. How many of you had a chance to attend the Good Friday service up at Erie First together with us? Oh, my goodness. So what a wonderful time. We have been partnering with other churches locally here, and it's kind of been growing every single year. We're doing more and more events together with other churches, and we did a, good, a combined Good Friday service again this year, and we had over 800 people show up to the Good Friday service, which was amazing. But even more amazing than that, I believe there was over 18 churches represented at that Good Friday service. And that's what I'm just so excited about because we've been on our hearts. Is that like we all have, we have got church, we've got our congregations. But in, in reality, it's one city, one church. One city, one church. So no matter the church that you go to, we're all here for the same purpose, for the same reason. And why not combine forces? Why not go after things together to see all of Erie saved? To see Erie County transformed by Jesus Christ? That's what we all really want. That's what we want. I mean, we have, we're here in our Sunday mornings, and there's all these people. It's like very segregated Sunday morning, right? Everyone's in their own places. But I just am so excited about bringing the church together and the power of us, the unity of the body of Christ coming together. And that was seen on Good Friday. Uh, we've done other services collectively. We actually did a Sunday morning uh, collectively with other churches before as well. And so I just really believe that God is moving in that, and we're going to see more and more of that uh, God's anointing and moving in that area. So let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Uh, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are good, you are faithful. Jesus, we thank you for coming to this earth, fully God, fully man, living a sinless, perfect life. Going to the cross for every single person, paying the price, going to the grave and conquering death so that we can be with you for all of eternity. And so, Lord, I just pray you bless this message this morning that we would truly have a better understanding of who you are in your precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I started a new series and I started it a few weeks before Easter because I wanted Easter Sunday to continue uh, on that series. And what it's called is really the attributes of God. 
the attributes of God or the characteristics of God. And the reason why I feel this is so important for us is because there are so many things that are going on in this world. So many things that happen in this world, and we look at them, we see them on the news, and every time we see a piece of news, it goes through a filter on how we perceive what is happening in life. How we perceive maybe even God in the situation. And so we see things happening overseas, we see things happening in Tennessee, and in all these different places, and we begin to ask ourselves, what is going on? Where is God in all? Why did this happen? Why did, we, why did God allow this to happen? And we start asking these very difficult, very real questions. And the whole purpose of this series that we're doing is to truly, when you walk away from this series, and if you're a guest, you're going to get a little flavor of it this morning, but to, when you walk through this series, you are going to walk away with an absolute understanding of who God is. And that no matter the situation and the circumstance that happens that you see on your news feed, while you're looking at Instagram or Twitter, or you got Fox News or CNN, whatever your flavor is, whatever you're doing, you will be able to see, immediately, that's not of God. God has nothing to do with that. That's of the enemy. That has nothing to do with God. And you begin to see things with a new filter, with a new light. And when things come and things happen in your life, you can be able to step back and reflect. And instead of being, as we all have been at one point in time, angry with God, Come on, church, I'm just being truthful up here this morning. You don't have to raise your hands. How many of you have been angry at God? Like, why did that happen? Why did you allow that to happen? What is going on with this? And our anger is there, but if we truly understand who God is and what he is and that he never changes, and we can see that through the life of Jesus, through the life of Christ, we can walk through every situation and every circumstance a little firmer. Amen? A little bit more firmer on the ground. Because how many know the winds and the waves, they come? Do they not? You will be with family probably this afternoon. And everyone laughs. The winds and the waves sometimes even come at family gatherings. (gasps) Shocking. I've never seen that happen before. Right? And you're like, you know, sometimes, God, why am I even in this family? (laughs) Right? What's going on here? But when we truly get a grasp and understanding of who God is, what he is, what he does, how he operates, his attributes and his characteristics, it begins to change how we view circumstances in our lives. So what is an attribute? What is this thing? This is a quality or a feature regarded as a characteristic or inherent part of someone or something. It's something descriptive. It's, a, it's an attribute. It's, a character, it's an attribute of something. Something that we are on the inside. And these are what the, we want to talk about what God is. And I understand there are a lot of false gods out there. There's a lot of idols out there. There's a lot of bad theology out there. And I want to kind of break through all of that. So the past couple of weeks we looked at the attribute number one was this. I won't go into these in detail. That God is infinite. He transcends time. He was here before. He will always be here. And to try to wrap your head around that, that's a very difficult thing to do. And we kind of walked off, walked through that the other week. But he is self-existing. He is without origin. God is and was and always has been. So you need to understand that first and foremost. He was always here. He was always here. Attribute two that we looked at 
was that God is immutable. Everyone say immutable. That's right, a little vocabulary lesson this morning as well. Immutable means that he never changes. Church, he never changes. The situation, the circumstance, why did that happen? What's going on? God never changes. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can wake up every morning and what did you say? Count on it. You can count on the fact that God doesn't change. And so these following attributes, and I'm going to give you one more this morning. This next attribute, you must look into the, into, through the lens of he is infinite, he's always been here, and that he doesn't change. He never changes. So attribute three, we're going to look at this this morning, is God is love. He is love. That's it. God is love. It's a very simple, a very short sentence, and there is so much wrapped up in those three little words. First of all, the first word is that God is, that he is something, and that he is a four-letter word called love that means more than I think we can even begin to understand. So what is love? What is this definition of love? I almost busted out singing the, what is love? What is that? No, I won't sing. The baby don't hurt me. Okay, no, no, no. This is, oh, please. Come on, Jason, hold it together. There's guests here today. (laughs) Behave. You don't want to hear me singing a secular song like that. You do not. Okay, what is love? What is it? Love is doing the best possible thing for the other person in the moment. I think we've got some bad definitions of love. We think it's always being nice or always doing something or, you know, when we love our kids, we just give them everything that they want. How many of you know that giving your kids anything that they want is not loving? Come on. And all the parents gave an amen to that, right? It's like they would stay up all night, they'd eat all the sugar, and there would be chaos in the house. But that's not love. Love is not giving everybody what they want all the time. But God is love, and God is doing, and will do, and continues to do the best possible thing for you, for me, in the moment. That's who God is. If that's the definition of love, and God is love, that means God is always doing the best possible thing in the moment. Whether we see it, whether we feel it, whether we think it, but I want you to know it. I want you to know that God is love and he's always looking to do the best possible thing for you in the moment. 1 John chapter 4 says this, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us, for God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Church, God is love. Everything about him is love. And he never changes, so he's love all the time. He's love from the beginning. He's love when he created you. He is love when you move on from this earth to all of eternity. He is always consistently love. John 3, verse 16 and 17 says this. For God so loved. Come on, church. He so loved. 
So you think, I can't wrap my head around this Old Testament God, and it just seemed like he was just, oh, he seemed to be so mean. He, he was never mean. God was always love. He was always the same. He always had a plan of redemption. He always had as in his heart that none should perish, that all come to the saving grace and knowledge of him. And he knew that the best possible thing to do 2,000 some years to go, it was the exact moment, it was the right time, it was the exact time for this. For God so loved the world that it was time now to give his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn it. He didn't send his world to condemn the world, but that through, that the world through him might be what? Saved. Might be saved. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on this cross so that you could be saved. Saved from what? Saved from ourselves. Saved from death. Saved from eternity in hell. Saved from a separation from him for all of eternity. It's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. We said it before. We we talked about those who are still living. They were here on this earth, but they, they passed into the next they pass to heaven and they're still living. Guys, eternal life is a reality for every single one of us. Whether you believe or don't believe that Jesus Christ came to save your sin, your reality is eternity as well. But the reality of your eternity, if you have not received him and accepted him and believe him, is the eternity separated from him. And the Bible gives, talks about what that eternal separation looks like. And let's just say, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. But we all have a choice to make. God never changes. He began this earth with free will. Did Adam and Eve make a choice? Did they choose something? He never changes. People always have a choice. You have a choice. I have a choice. We have free will to make our choice whether to believe or whether not to believe. It's a choice we have to make. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son. John 15 says this, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Christ loved us so much. Jesus loved us so much that he took a bruising and a beating and he laid down his life because all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. Only he, Jesus is the only one to never sin. So he sent Jesus down. The best possible thing for us in this moment was the same thing that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. The best possible thing for each of us in this moment is to choose whether or not we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, he did what he said he will do, and that he's now risen at the right hand of God. It was all part of God's plan for redemption. It's all listed in this book from the very beginning to the very end written over 2,000 years by 40-plus authors in different cities, in different languages, yet the entire cohesiveness of this Bible can only be because of God. And there is prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that points to one man, 
One man that will fulfill all of those prophecies. The statistical probability of that happening is basically infinite. It's not possible to have 40, 50, 60 plus prophecies all through these words, all through this scripture. God breathed inspired scripture that points to one man, one plan for redemption. And that this New Testament that we read that tells the story about Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection was written by first-hand witnesses that wrote it down that has then been copied and translated. The words that you're reading, it's not a story that somebody made up. It's reality. It was seen by people. They wrote it down. Pastor listed earlier, over 500 people saw Jesus after his resurrection. This is legit, this is real, this happened. And we have to choose. Okay, do I believe that it happened or not? The Bible says that sin separates us from God, that all have fallen short, and that sin leads to death and we need a Savior. And so God, being loved, doing the best possible thing for us, did what? He sent us a Savior. He sent us a Savior. Luke 23, I want to look at this part of the story here. Jake, do you want to come back up, brother? Luke 23, I'm going to read a little kind of a significant portion of scripture here for a minute. I'm going to, I'll stop periodically, but it says this. We're going to start at Good Friday. The soldiers mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, go save yourself. And an inscription was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, Hebrew, saying, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blaspheming him. You remember, there's three crosses up on this hill. And Jesus being in the center. And one being on his right and one being on his left. Two other criminals. One of the criminals said, if you are the Christ, go ahead and save yourself. Look at the first word of his sentence. If. When we say the word if, it means we don't truly believe. If. I I don't know. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Maybe this is Jesus, the Son of God. Maybe it's not. He's hanging on a cross next to Jesus. And he says this, if. If you are Christ, go ahead and save yourself. But the other one, verse 40, answered, rebuking him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed, justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, he's pointing to Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He recognized Jesus as being sinless and the Son of God. And look at Jesus' response here, verse 43. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, Assuredly, certainly, absolutely, 
Yes, 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 yes. I say to you, today, church, today, today you will be with me in paradise. These were Jesus' words. One did not believe, the other one believed. And the result of that belief was what? Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And then Jesus dies. He pays for our sin. Words on the cross, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He says words on the cross like it is finished. And then he gives up his spirit. The price was paid. The job was finished. But now what? Now what? There's no hope in just death, but there's hope in life. There must be hope. There has to be a resurrection. There has to be a defeating of death. Luke 24 then says this, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, a certain other women, they came to the tomb bringing spices that they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. And he said, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Defeated death. Conquered it. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. He is risen, church. And if love is doing the best possible thing for us in the moment, I believe he is calling and stirring people in this auditorium, in this church right now, in this sanctuary, stirring you saying today is the day to make a decision. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you need to choose which one you are. Are you the one that says if and are not quite sure? Are you the one that says this is the Son of God? This is the spotless Lamb. Jesus is the one who said and is who he says he was. And Jesus' response to you this morning is assuredly, I will see you in heaven. Assuredly, we have a choice to make. I want to close with this analogy. If you think about this for a minute. You know, if you got a parking ticket, and someone, you know, you see that person giving you the parking ticket, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening right now. And the person who was given the parking ticket said, you know what? I see you're coming back to the car. It's fine. I got it. 
I got it covered. He'd be like, okay, all right, I got this. This is pretty slick. You might be happy for a few minutes and someone cuts you off and you're like, okay. You totally forgot about what just happened two minutes ago. But maybe someone came into your life and said, the Lord told me to pay off your mortgage. And now you're like, whoa, now this is my, you got my attention now. Really? You're going to pay off my mortgage? This is so fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. You're such a great person. Oh, I actually, I love you. Right? You're saying all these words, I love you, love you. And that's great. You're really excited that they paid off your mortgage. But it doesn't really change your life. You may feel like it does. The parking ticket didn't change your life. Paying off of the mortgage didn't change your life. But you need to know that every one of us, every one of us has sinned and fallen short. And truly the analogy that we all sit in this morning is that we are all on death row. Or have been on death row. And there's nothing we can do. There's no one to call. Your good works aren't doing anything for you right now. And there's this price that you're going to pay for your sins, for your mistakes, for your failures. But there is one thing, only one, that can change the outcome of that circumstance. And it's called a pardon. And it's what Jesus did on the cross. He came, he died, and he defeated death. And he rose from the grave to give you, to give me, the pardon that said that I was meant for death. I was meant for separation away from God for all of eternity. But Jesus came in. Jesus came in and he handed me that pardon. And he said, I love you. God is love. I am love. And I love you so much that this pardon is for you. This pardon is for you. And you get this piece of paper and you look at it and you just begin to weep. And you begin to cry because you know it was nothing that you did. No amount of work, no amount of effort. It was nothing that you did, but it's everything that Jesus did. And when you recognize that that was the man on the cross next to Jesus, he recognized that he couldn't save himself any longer. And he needed a savior. He needed Jesus. He needed the pardon. He needed the price to be paid. So bow your heads with me this morning. Praise you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the miraculous, miraculous pardon that you have given us. That's available to each of us. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Everyone's eyes are closed and your heads are bowed. I want to ask you this morning if you have never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been on the cross like that first guy that we've talked about and you never really believed and you're just, I just don't know, but today you are certain. Today you came in here. Today the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and saying, today is your day. 
Today is the day of salvation. Assuredly, I will see you in heaven with me, says Jesus, for those who will choose him. So if that's you this morning, if you're here this morning and you've been running from God, you've been feeling separated from him, and you're saying, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I need a Savior, and Jesus, you are it. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I see your hand. Yes, I see yours. Thank you. Thank you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Anyone else? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. We get to choose. The Bible gives us clear instructions on how to make that choice. It says that we confess with our mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For those that raised their hand this morning, I just want you to pray this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross for my sins. And that you rose again. And I repent of my sins today. And I invite you into my life. Lord, thank you for saving me. Amen. I want to ask one more question with everyone's heads still bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've already accepted him long before, but you're here this morning and you just haven't been walking with him. And I want to pray with you. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I want to pray with those who have been here who have said, you know what? I know Jesus. I've met him, but I just want more of him in my life this morning. I want to seek him more. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we just thank you for those who have raised their hand this morning. Those who are choosing more of you. Father, lead them, guide them, strengthen them. Give them the peace that passes all understanding. We thank you, Father, for who you are, for what you've done, that you are love and that you never change. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have some uh, prayer teams that are going to be coming up here. Prayer leaders, if you want to come up now, uh, as we mentioned earlier, their offering buck will be up here. But these people are coming up. They are ready and willing to pray for you. You have a situation in your life. You need a healing in your life. You Maybe you prayed that salvation prayer for the first time. Come up and tell them. Tell them. They will help you. They will guide you. They will lead you in the next steps of your walk with Jesus. Church, he is risen. He is risen. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. I want to read this final scripture as we close. Remember, guys, there is some coffee and some snacks out in the lobby, so I want you to just spend some time in fellowship a few minutes with us. But just receive this benediction this morning. 
says this. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen and amen. We love you guys. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Come up for prayer or just join us in the lobby for some fellowship time. Be blessed.